the sound booth, 16 floors high in downtown Chicago that is slowly falling apart around us, very slowly. It's the American Soccer Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the American Soccer Show. Uh, Eric Alcantara here with Emma McConnell, here to talk all things soccer in America and in South Booths, the latest news in Sound Booths, because that's what we do. Uh, back on Wednesday, talk about all the action in MLS. Not that packed of a week, though, I have to say. No, it was a... Uh... It was a week. Was it was a week. Yeah, I, I, there will be some games where it, is, it was game. Next week will also be a week, but it should be an exciting week. Yeah, we, especially when you have double the games. I, uh, yo, dog, I heard you like weeks, so we're talking about week. We, we gave you a week to talk about your week. <laughs> yes, that meme never got the recognition it deserved, in my opinion. Poor exhibit. He never got the recognition he deserved. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but is it the That's guy the in the meme? Uh, okay, well, I, yeah. things we, we, we I wouldn't it. know. Things I wouldn't know. All right, ready to get this started. Yep, get to the MLS. Yes. Like me MLS. So it was last Friday. Toronto hosted FC Dallas. FC Dallas ends up going to Toronto and winning 1-0. We talked about Dallas having to overcome some injuries in their squad, and we left out Jesse Gonzalez, who has sort of been dealing with injuries and then sort of kind of being benched because based on his performance in the CONCACAF Champions League early in the season. So he has nine saves in this one. And it includes a saved penalty. He was remarkable in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, uh, we forgot about him because Dallas's backup, uh, I think it was Maurer, Maurer was, yeah. was so just solid in his wake. But you do forget how good, like, there's a reason why he was, like, 17 and considered one of the better goalkeepers, goalkeepers in the in the in the country in the league, so yeah, I'd kind of forgotten about him too because he was in the pool for next man up as the U.S. men's national team goalie yeah, coming into this next cycle. So it's really interesting to see him kind of come back. It was a great performance, but it was basically all Toronto after Dallas's goal in the eleventh minute, and it's kind of the same story for Toronto. It's a good win last week, followed up by a bad loss this week. Yeah, I mean they were just. I just don't think that they, that. I mean Dallas. I mean this thing. I think Toronto's got a little unlucky, but they could have been better. They could have put away their chances. Gonzalez was great, but Toronto finally needs to find a way to turn it around at some point. Yeah, they do, and I mean, at this point, you know, the excuses we can make for them, you know, that they've had injuries and all that, they do need to turn their season around eventually because the later it gets, the harder it's going to be in what is not exactly the worst Eastern Conference in the last few years. A lot of mediocre teams, but those teams aren't going to be easy to go beat later on in the season when they see that they do have a chance I'm at the playoffs. They lost to Montreal earlier in the year. Who's... Well, that was during the Champions League, though, while they were fielding, like, seasides. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, I'm putting more weight in these types of games now because there's nothing else. There's this no, is it for Toronto. There's no excuse anymore. Their, their injuries have started to lay off. They, they have a pretty close to an A team at this point. They should be getting results, especially at home. Yeah. And but, uh, you know, credit to Dallas also. Yeah, credit to Dallas who's been playing well this season. They've, they've not been an easy game for any team. Yeah, and to go to Toronto too and win, that was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one on Friday night, Houston Dynamo 3-1 over NYCFC. So Houston scored two or more goals in their past four games. The offense is definitely rolling, but it was actually David Villa who opened the scoring career for NYCFC, and I thought that that was it. You know, the game was going to get out of hand quickly there because it looked like New York had the better of the chances in those first 15 minutes or so, and then it all kind of turned on its head when Alejandro Funimayor equalized off a set piece. It kind of turned the game in Houston's favor, and NYC never really got back. Yeah, I mean, NYC, I'm not sure if they're, like, kind of in a bit of a lull right now. Are they concerned about Patrick Vieira? Perhaps that's kind of... The rumor has it, Nice is... Perhaps it's, you know, hanging over Patrick Vieira's head is a little bit less involved. 
I think that's a little bit of uh, well, that point yeah, we're making a Yeah, uh, I I think again credit to Dynamo. Sometimes I guess these Texas Texas teams get forgotten about. The Shaft. Uh, Dallas and uh, Houston don't really get a lot of credit because they're either good or they're bad, like really bad. So like that one year Dallas won the Supporter Shield, great team. Uh, last year kind of forgettable. Uh, but like this year, it looks like those are going to be two of the stronger teams in the West. Yeah, I, honestly, I can't wait for the Texas Derby. That should be a good one. Yeah, I mean, the, the that Houston attack is lethal. Yeah. You give them any chances, Elise, Kyoto, Minotas, they're going to put it away. So it was kind of back and forth until the second half when Ebenezer Ofori had a horrific giveaway that, was ugly. that Martinez is able to put Houston in the lead with. And then in the 78th minute, Burgett has a chance to put NYCFC level, and he completely botches it. He hits it straight at the goalkeeper. And at that point, you know, it, it was forgiveness. It was total forgiveness on his part. And what happens in soccer when you forgive? Well, am I supposed to have the answer to that? You get punished. You get punished and you die. It's a cliche, basically, of soccer. But it's true. You give up a chance like that, and literally, yeah. not even a minute later, Burgett's forgiveness leads to Albert Ellis's goal and puts the game away for Houston. At that point, it's 3-1, and it was over. Um, yeah, honestly... I think Burgett's been, like, one of the bigger surprises for me in terms of NYC. I haven't seen enough out of him to, I think, to to make me think, oh, yeah, this is a good top player in MLS. I think they're kind of waiting for Rodney Wallace to step in, and he hasn't really done it yet. He's done horribly himself, so, like, it's come to the point now where you almost have to think that maybe V is going to have to play as a lone striker because his partnerships this season have been awful, as as good as NYCFC have been. I, I mean, credit to Burgett, he does work hard and gets back. Uh, he gets back and makes talent challenges on defense. He's a hard-working player. But, um, and you know, maybe that's exactly what they need from him, but technically I don't know how, how much he's there. I do want to point out that I think he, he's like a Norwegian or something. He has probably the most Scandinavian name I've ever heard. Joinga Burgett. <laughs> <laughs> like, even if you don't say it with the accent, Joinga Burgett. Joe like, Ingeberget, he's from Norway, by the way. Nor- so, yeah, he, he, he is Norwegian. He, especially the look. He's got, like, this long, scruffy beard. <laughs> like, the guy is so Scandinavian. I like it. Well, we need more of those in MLS. I also wanted to talk a little bit about Patrick Vieira's formation choices. Now, far be it from me to question the great Patrick Vieira on you know his way to Nice. You you question Yeah, you get, you get scolded at the press conference. He goes. So we talked about it last week that we weren't sure if this would be like a permanent change, and it may very well not be one going forward, but we talked about him perhaps going to a three at the back just to match Colorado Rapids personnel. Now, I don't know if he thought that, oh, this works so well, we should do it again, or if he thinks that right now that's the best way to use his team. I'm not really sure, but I don't think it really suits them. I just don't think that there's enough quality in those in the three center backs and the wing backs to get the most out of them the rest of the players because we all know David Villa works in any formation that he's going to be in right as long as you're playing him where he needs to be played nothing bad's going to happen with David Villa the same kind of goes for Maxi Morales who as long as he's playing in that playmaker role he's probably going to feel just at home the reality is after that you're pushing ring you know into the middle of a back three who he's again he's a quality player and he works well there i don't know that it's the best use of his but he's such talent a that you know you're putting him in front of the goal, I just, I don't know. And then you see Ofori getting put in that position where he's trying to distribute because, you know, when you play this sort of, it, they're listed here as a 3-4-1-2, you know, 3-5-2, whatever you want to look at it as. Mm-hmm. You have to control the ball with that formation. Yeah, Ofori was clearly not comfortable with that, and it leads to that goal. I, I think this is, once again, a way to counter the speed up top. With Colorado, you have Dominic Baggi. Uh, yeah. 
So you put an extra man in there, especially a quick guy like Ring who can keep up and cover the defenders. Um, and then Houston, of course, Manotas, Elise, and Kyoto. I think it was a way to try to counter that, but Didn't maybe he got this one wrong. I, I like Ring in the midfield. He's such a dynamic player there. Yeah, we've, I think we've it's sung his to, praises, so I, I think it's tough to move him there. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I guess Patrick Vieira knows best. Who knows how long, how much longer he'll be there, though. The rumors are that he's on his way to Nice. Yeah, which, I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't know. How much of a step up is that for him? I feel like the Arsenal's job would be a huge step well, up, but Nice... Well, had that happened, that would have been insane. That's a huge step up, but, like, I don't know. I Maybe it's, maybe he wants to be in France. He is French. It's possible. The other one, it was a Cali Classico. LA Galaxy defeated San Jose Earthquakes at home 1-0. Uh, this was a game that happened. As sad as it kind of is that we've gotten to the point where the Cali Classico is now kind of just another game, and, you know, maybe the fans will feel differently. But, I mean, you know, I watched it. I was kind of bored. Yeah. It was – it just happened, and it was nil-nil for most of it. And, you know, far be it from me to be the snotty guy that's like, zero-zeros are all boring. They're not. But this was, for the most part. Until, like, you know, Romania Alessandrini's goal in the 82nd minute was a glass goal. It's a yeah. great finish. But that's literally all that happened in yeah, this game that's worth talking about. I, I don't know if it's like – good for L.A. for keeping a shutout and getting a win, or if it's like San Jose, what is happening? That's true. That actually brings up an interesting point. L.A. <laughs> holding a shutout with that awful defense that they've had. I think it speaks more, though, to San Jose's toothless attack at these days. Two wins in a row for L.A. Hey, could my be, pick. Could be my, a good sign. My dark horse pick in the West, if there is such a thing as an L.A. team being a dark horse. Uh, one other thing that came out of this game was that the Dos Santos brothers are, in fact, two different people, as was confirmed. Giovanni Dos Santos finally gets back on the field. And my tinfoil hat theory has been proven incorrect. I, I trust you. You'll have another one up by next week. Oh, I'm sure. There will be plenty more to come. I'm, I kind of wish they would have waited for the World Cup, though. It would have made it a much more <laughs> I mean, grandiose. Are they, they going to make it at this point? That's they'll they'll both be in the squad. There's no doubt in my yeah. mind. doesn't matter how they play. As long as they're not injured, they'll be there. Speaking of, there was a really good uh, I think it was a cover article for Sports Illustrated about the, the impact that the uh, Mexican national team has in America, that it might be the, the most followed team like closely followed and revered team in America, yeah. A large number, like the the Mexican fans in America, are almost all huge El Tri fans. Well, interesting. If you've wondered why the Mexican national team always holds their friendlies in the United States, that would be the reason why. A lot of money to be made. Money to be made. Fans come out. There's more energy. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Saturday is the Seattle Sounders hosting Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake goes to Seattle and wins one nil. Uh, this was also a game that happened. Sebastian Salcedo provides the goal on what was a very good long-range shot. So, again, another 1-0 game that ends with a great long-range <laughs> shot that wins it. And Stefan Fry does get a hand on it, but not enough to keep it out of the goal. Uh, I, this, uh, this is another game that just happened. But, it, like, Seattle should be – like, what is, like that's another team that's just hasn't really gotten a chance to step up yet. Um, has anyone really been a standout player on that team? Not really. I mean, you know, they've lost Lodero for points of this season now they, due to injury. They've – been back and forth. Roldan's been in and out of the lineup. Dempsey's, I Lack hate to say forward, it. Yeah, yeah it, they've never really did replace Obafemi Martins, and I, it's kind of a tired thing to say, but it's true. The Sounders, they had their chances. Uh, they just didn't really convert any of them either. I mean, that was another thing. They had their plenty of chances to score after Real Salt Lake went up and just never did. Getting shut out at home by Real Salt Lake is yeah, not a good sign for Seattle, so they need to turn around. Yeah, well, to game that had all the goals, the Vancouver Whitecaps and New England Revolution played to a 3-3 draw. So remember last week when I mentioned the Whitecaps had three straight 2-2 draws? Well, they upped the ante this week, I have to say. 
Uh, the craziest thing about this is that Kai Kamara had a chance on what was literally the first play of the game. It was the, the first possession off the kickoff. They have Vancouver has the ball and they've worked it into the 18. Kamara's got a one-on-one with the goalkeeper off a cross, and he just he absolutely bottles it. <laughs> so this could have actually been even like crazier if Classic that goes Vancouver. in. Yeah. Though Kamara has been good, I think he's important for what they have. It's, they don't. That's kind of. Well, they need like, him out there. They need, a, they need a good strong forward like him. And I, I guess you can, you can get after him for missing that one. But they did score three goals that game, so I think the more more you're looking at giving up three goals at home. Yeah, that was defense. Interestingly enough, it was actually one nothing Revolution at the start of the second half. So the second 45 minutes of this game was wild. Mm-hmm. New England took a 2 nothing lead, and I think they'll be upset that they let these points go because you would think of all the teams in the league, Brad Friedel's New England Revolution should be able to hold a 2-0 lead away, even away. Not at the Fortress, but, but I mean, he's had them well-drilled more than they have been in the past. Yeah, so, yeah. that well-drilling didn't exactly work out here because you know Vancouver seems to have a knack for getting down in these games and then coming storming back. I wouldn't even say coming back, just storming back and... They, they're not winning them, so it's not as impressive. But, I mean, it, you're down 2-0 in the second half, and you're able to turn it into a 3-3 draw. A lot of managers would take that contract at halftime. And I'm wondering, like, when it comes to Vancouver, like, so we're saying this is probably a, a good result for Vancouver, coming back and getting the getting the draw, but they're at home. Right. They're, New England, you know, we haven't seen them praised, but they're sitting sixth in the East. There's really not that much competition below them at this point. There's a fire in the union are looking to make a move. Toronto's still down there, but they're not exactly threatened just yet. Like, are you going into Vancouver and thinking, oh, okay, we'll be happy with a draw? No, I wouldn't think so. Because they haven't exactly looked like... Those are the kind of points you want to pick up because later in the season they'll be more beneficial to you down the line. I I just think that, you know, like, who's... Who is a better result for Vancouver getting all these draws at home and fighting back? Like, something has to – they have to change something, I think, before a team coming in is going to say – because, I mean, this isn't the first time, like, New England-Houston came in and blew a lead. Right. So something of a, you know, kind of like Orlando coming back at uh, BC Place up in British Columbia. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, I hope you had Christian Teixeira on your fantasy team. He scored a hat trick for the Whitecaps here, and all three of them came off crosses. So it was an interesting day for him. Who needs Kai Kamara when you've got Teixeira in the midfield, an absolute unit? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I still, I mean, as much trouble as Kamara gives you in the locker room at times, I think he's a good player. Yeah. And to the game that you promised excitement for, New York Red Bulls and Philadelphia Union played to a nil-nil draw. But it was exciting. I, I will say, I, again, you know, I touched on it a little bit, but, I mean, not every nil-nil draw is this, you know, bore fest. This was a pretty entertaining back-and-forth yeah. game. Just nothing ever came of it. I mean, listen, the Union goes into New York, a team that's been scoring New goals Jersey. for fun. I'm, I'm, I'm going – they go into the New York Red Bull Stadium. I, yeah, it's, it's in New Jersey. It's in New Jersey. It's a suburb of Newark, basically. Harrison. Harris, it's called Harrison, yeah. But it's if it's what like a dumb you, name. You look for Newark when you're going there. You you should, by all accounts this should be a Red Bull thrashing. It should be three nothing Red Bulls. But you kind of ask the Philadelphia Union probably should have won this game. I, I'm interested to know why you think that. <laughs> I mean, do I really have to say it? I mean, I'm just do I don't to, know. Do we have to talk about uh, the missed penalty? I, well, straight up, first of all, I do want to mention that at the beginning of the year. Emmett and I made a bet on C.J. Sapong. I believe the over-under was set at 13.5, or maybe it was 12 and a, 12 and a half. I think and it was 13.5. I, I, I told him, there's no way. I, I, I bet the under. C.J. Sapong has how many goals this season? Two. Two. I don't think he's getting there, but he's taking penalties like that. 
Yeah. Well, I th- so the other side of our bet was who's going to have more, Dom Dwyer or CJ Sapong. I think Dom Dwyer has scored more than two in... He has six. <laughs> yeah. Sapong has two. Not looking good for you. Not looking good. I want my money back. You will get nothing back. The question... I, I still, for some reason, have some faith that he's going to at least get 10 goals. He's, he should be, I think he's going to get 10 goals. Well, I mean, if he's taking the penalties, you'd think he'd get something out of it. But, I mean, if he, I don't imagine he'll be taking too many more penalties after that. that was, so here's the thing. You, you struck up with all the confidence in the world to take this ball when you're playing terribly. You do this wanky run-up. <laughs> wow. Wonky run-up. Wow. Right, like he's, he lines up straight and then does a little That's like, your player, run man. off to the side. And then he just misses by like five feet. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. I like. I just can't help but think like it was awful. It's supposed to be a uh, a chance for Sapong to get some get some confidence back, get an easy goal off a penalty. But my nope. God, like you could have put. I'm surprised someone like Barak Dochkal or Harris Medunian isn't coming up because they strike. The, they're so much better strikers of the ball. Why don't you try Blake? I'm. I think he can do everything. He's our best player. I mean, you see him. <laughs> he dribbles people. I'd put him out there. <laughs> well, all right. Let's talk about a game that was exciting. Both, hey, in the hey, score, hey, hey. both in the score line and in the actual game. The Chicago Fire go to Orlando City and win 2-1. Oh, yeah. So, Velko, let's get this off the record right now. Velko Panovic took all my advice and did exactly what I wanted, except for one thing, which is a small detail that I even said that I would be okay with. I just don't think it's where he belongs. So he goes back to the back three or the back five, however you want to see it, and he used Daniel Johnson as his right wing back rather than Kevin Ellis. And he did play Schweinsteiger in the middle of it, so... You know, he didn't really listen there, but I'm, I'm all right with that because, you know, again, it's not like he's bad at it. I just think that you can get so much more out of him if you move him elsewhere. So it ended up being a back five of Corrales, who apparently benched Vincent, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then Ellis, Bastion, Campbell, and then Johnson in front of Patrick McLean, who Ponovich took upon himself to suspend <laughs> Richard Sanchez. He took it upon himself. He said, no, it's too egregious. I'm going to have to suspend you anyway. I mean, Sanchez is young. They were all. We kind of came in thinking that they were going to be fighting for spots. Right. Uh, McLean, though, kind of a third string coming in. Stephen Cleveland was. Uh, the, the, to be fair, the thing about Cleveland is they. I think they think he has the most potential, and so they have thrown yeah. him to Tulsa and basically have him playing in games. He had a terrible game sitting. against Tulsa. He gave us Zach Stephen pass away to give him oh, the one yes. goal. That friendly Tulsa. that's only Emmett saw. That was the only person there besides the. It was like twenty people there. Yeah. So but McLean was my God. He had a fantastic game. Let's talk. You know, you talk about goalie performances and opening some eyes. I think he absolutely opened the door for him to start tonight against Philadelphia. I think it's going to be hard for Sanchez to get back in the lineup because even if it was just a let's bench Sanchez, let's make up statement, get McLean in. I mean, let's do what's right here and give him our own red card. I think they might have been playing for a draw here almost. I mean, yeah, he deserved a red card. So, like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to do it ourselves. But, I mean, yeah, I think it would be hard after a performance like that to, to put him on the bench. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Brandon Vincent was shocking, and then it dawned on me that the Chicago Fire, he's played in every match so far. I don't believe he's been subbed off, and if he has, it hasn't been for a much amount of time. So... At least in my book, Brandon Vincent probably is getting some kind of time off here. I know it seems kind of weird to give him against Orlando City, but when you think about it, the Fire have this game tonight against the Union. They'll have a game on Saturday, I believe, against the San Jose Earthquakes. Then they'll have to play in the Open Cup against the Columbus Crew, and then they'll have another game the next weekend. So they've got a lot. Of, they've got some games coming up. I know it seems crazy that a young guy like him needs you know, a, a maintenance game like that, but I'm just saying, you know, he hasn't exactly been great recently. Yeah, so some time to clear, that. some time to clear his head, some time to just you know relax a little bit. Again, playing fullback is very demanding on your legs, even at a young age. Yeah, I, 
I think it was a little bit of, of some fitness, getting letting him get some fitness back, and some also just, you know, saying, hey, you know, you, you could be better. I mean, it, I mean, again, we we don't watch training, but perhaps Corrales has been, you know, really strong in training, and they say, yeah, we want to get this guy a chance. Uh, but uh, I mean, the the back five seemed to work. Yeah, I, I, just, hey, that's why I was calling for it. I say just one goal, but they gave up just one goal uh, on the road to Orlando. That's by all accounts, a, a good performance. I'd say, again, I think if you gave it to Panovic at the beginning of the game, you probably would have taken it. Katai, he's the one that put the fire up 1-0 thanks to a wonderful free kick, and then Higita's the one who equalized later in the half. Not often that a team scores two goal the week candidates, but who else but Alan Gordon comes off the oh bench, God. scores an absolute screamer that I, he probably will never score anything like that again. He has one goal from outside the box in his career. One. <laughs> and this is his second. How <laughs> dare you suggest that Fernando Torres is needed for this team? Clearly, Alan Gordon is already the answer, and he's already here. Uh, I'm surprised this guy is still in the league, but like, <laughs> he's done a really good job hey, in the I, end of the game. you got to give the man credit. When it's Gordon time, he's in there, and he's scoring any way possible. I mean, other teams are talking about it. They're like, yeah, we know when this guy comes in, he's going to score goals late in the match. Or is that the Houston game? That was, what, like the Marcus Beasley and the and head coach... Uh, Wilmer Cabrera were saying, they're like, yeah, we, like, we get scared when he comes in. Like, <laughs> that guy scores goals at the well, end of the that, game. The funny thing is it goes, like I compare it to the NFL running backs, the, the, the fullbacks of the world, the John Coons, where you need three yards, he'll get you three. You need four, he'll get you three. It's just, <laughs> you, you know, it's consistent production. Like when, he's, all the when time. he starts your game, you're wondering, what are you doing? He doesn't have the legs to go 90. He's exactly. only going to score after the 80th minute. And he can't be in there that long. Yeah, it was a good game, I think, by the fire overall. Look, they clearly got outplayed by Orlando. Let's not mince any words here. Orlando clearly was the better side here. But in this sport, more often than any other, the best team does not always win. And for the fire, that's three points that they, you know, I don't know that many of the people in the team would have probably been counting with when looking at yeah. the schedule because, you know, that kind of makes up for some of the disappointing home defeats that they've uh, gone through recently. They've, they, what, they, they won in uh, Toronto in the road when Toronto looked like they were turning things around. Right. Kind of put them back in the slump. Did it to Orlando here. Uh, and then we, we did talk about this was the toughest part of the stretch for, for Orlando. They have yeah. their next game, I think the next hardest one, which is uh, the end of the stretch against NYCFC. This was probably the easiest game in that stretch. But they've lost three straight. Uh, and, I mean, again, they're like New England. They're still in a solid spot. No one's really challenging them yet, but... Uh, if they can get through this, I mean, even though it looks like they, they're going to lose at least three of the four games, uh, they can pick up the, the pick up the slack later. Yeah, that's fair. One other thing I wanted to talk about because I it was so egregious that I feel the need to vent about it. The reality is Mo Adams got sent off in the 89th minute. Now, having seen it a few times, I just I just don't get it. I I first of all he gets taken down by Cleston. Who gets a yellow card for it? And his in his attempt to stand up, his foot kind of hits Cleston in the face. Kinda hits Cleston in the face. I'm, Listen to that though. I'm just saying, what did you want Mo Adams to do? Sit there and hope that they didn't score? No, he tried to get up and continue the play. No, I I I, see, I disagree with you here because he he. It's not that he's just making a normal motion to get to get up. It was no no because extremely he, normal. He, he does not kick down, out at him. He gets pulled down, and then when he gets, he thrashes out and he kicks his out his legs. It's not a normal motion to get up, in any way. In my it's, mind, it's a normal motion. He does no. not kick out at him. If you're if you're listening to this, take a look at it. He thrashes his legs out. 
He I don't think him. he made contact with him. I thought he did. <laughs> okay, well, if he makes contact, it's even worse. Because he, he definitely, it, it looks like some sort of retaliation. Like, it's almost like he's saying, like, hey, get, get off me, man. Well, I mean, to be fair, he did get fouled. And the referee, instead of, you know. He, he gave question the yellow card. He, he does give question the he, yellow card. But just how about you can't retaliate. He didn't game. retaliate, though. It That's was, what I keep trying to tell you. He didn't kick him. I, I know what you're saying. It didn't look, you didn't think it looked like he retaliated. But I can see why they gave it to him in hindsight. I can see why the referee gave him the red. Because all the ref saw was the kick to the face. He did go to VAR. But they did go to VAR. And VAR determined that he kicked him. Really? So VAR. VAR must the, have had a good enough angle. No, VAR, VAR didn't have... They must have thought that it was bad enough that they couldn't say, okay, it's just a yellow card. And you card. know what? I've been vindicated because I'm looking at it now, and the independent panel has rescinded the suspension for Chicago midfielder Mo Adams. So take that, Emmett. He didn't kick him in the face intentionally. I don't, I don't think he meant to kick him, but it was... I, I do think, but that's that the red card. If you don't mean to do that's it, that's a little you, different no, because you, he, I mean it, this isn't like the studs up tackle where if you if you go in studs up you go in studs up it doesn't intent. matter. This yeah. is a guy trying to get up off the ground. Listen, I I'm happy that he's he, it got rescinded. You should be because he's now he's going to play tonight. <laughs> but I I think after looking at it that I it depends on the angle. I'm, I'm looking at it again from from <laughs> from the first angle you see. It looks like he just gets pulled down and his legs just happen to fall on the guy, right? Which is what happened. But when I saw it, especially the previews, it looked like after he lands, he kind of thrashes out a little bit to kind of get some payback. So, I don't know. It's, it's what I saw. I'm, I'm glad he's back because I don't, I don't think you ever want to play someone and have to have someone. You don't want this guy to be ejected. It, it, like, it was even. Well, give him a chance to play. It, and I like to point out it was a unanimous unanimously rescinded. So clearly the Maybe United States to... Soccer Federation, Canadian Soccer Association, and Professional Referee Organization all side with me. Thank you very much, MLS, for doing the right thing. VAR, shame on you. That was VAR. awful. An awful call. And the fire still held on. So against all odds, against the refs, against the better players. The, it was the very end of the game it holding was on. Hold- if, they, if they could hold on for five minutes without Mo Adams, <laughs> with or without Mo Adams, oh, I don't think it changes anything. Whatever. I'm glad. Uh, justice has been served. Justice. Justice. We move on to Minnesota United's win over the Montreal Impact 2-0 at home. The Impact have now lost four in a row and have one win in their last nine. They've played three more games than D.C. United, and yet they sit with the same amount of points at the bottom of the East. So to give you an idea on where the Impact are. And I think every year there's a team that's, like, dead last in the East. Last year was D.C. The year before that it was the Chicago Fire. The year before that it was the Chicago Fire. Uh, Are you trying to make a point here, mate? No, I was just. Okay. I'm, I'm just. I am, I am trying to make a point. Is that is that with DCs making a lot of changes, brought in a lot of a lot of new players. Wayne Rooney potentially one of them. Right. Is it Montreal's year to do it? I mean, Remy Gard is. Or did they fire Remy Gard and I'm, turn around? I don't know if firing anybody's going to do it. I don't like the rumors out there that they're still in on Fernando Torres. We have no idea what's happening with that anymore. I, I guess we'll see. I I don't know what else they can do though. Their personnel doesn't seem like it's all that good. They're, you know, there's not exactly like a ton of options for them going forward. Remy Gard, I think, is going to end up getting fired at some point this season. I don't think he makes it to the end because I, at some point, it's somebody's going to have to pay for this, right? I mean, because this is awful. They look like they're out of ideas. They look like they don't know what what else to do anymore. Getting shut out by Minnesota is usually a good sign that things have gone 
really, really badly. But it was in Minnesota. It, it doesn't matter. If it was at home, Even, it would have been much worse. Well, oh my goodness, if Minnesota had gone on the road, yeah. Speaking of going on the road and winning, the Portland Timbers did that in Colorado. They won 3-2. The two teams are heading in totally different directions now as this is the sixth loss in a row by Colorado. While it's also Portland's sixth straight win, so some nice symmetry there. Yeah, that's, that's nice. That's, that's nice, yeah. Samuel Armenteros is making a name for himself these past few weeks. He has a brace in this one, a goal last week, and then an assist the week before that. Quietly working his way up. I mean, like... The striker tree there? Yeah, he's been phenomenal. I mean, you mentioned uh, having someone on fantasy a while back. The guy costs, like, like, the league minimum in fantasy. He's someone no one expected to come in and be such an impact. But his first goal, oh, oh my word. That was, that was filthy. That little turn he did to get around the defender... Uh, yeah, it's, it's he's, he, he looks he good. He showed some real skill. And Another tell, Scandinavian player, believe it or not, Swedish. <laughs> well, and I tell you what, I'm thinking Fernando Adi. This this could be good in the end for both players, but Fernando Adi might need to start thinking about a little bit of you know getting some perspective here because now it, before you kind of thought Portland didn't really have too many options, options yeah. as, as the number nine in this Christmas tree formation. Well, it looks to me like they have an option now because this guy, it's going to be hard to put this guy on the bench right now. He's hot. It's possible Adi's gotten a little complacent this, with his spot. He's been there for a couple years. Uh, yeah, I'm, in, I'm excited to see how he does because that's this is a, it's always tough to go, and I know Colorado's playing terrible, but going to the Rocky Mountains and getting a result. Thanks, Armenteros. Portland comes out with their sixth straight win. That's, you know. Hey, that's impressive no matter who something. you're winning against. Yeah. Because to win six straight matches in soccer is difficult. And they grind them out, too. They're like, yeah, I, I, they've I, won a lot of different kind of games too. They win a, you know, a close one last week. They win a game here where it was it was at three one. I think there was a, like a penalty late on, so it wasn't like even basically like, the last kick of the game. Yeah, basically, yeah, it was the last kick of the game. In fact, I believe. So, it, yeah, I mean, this is you know, a high scoring affair. What it looks like on paper, the reality is the Portland Timbers put three past Colorado and were kind of coasting to the end. Yeah. So different kinds of wins too. That's always a good sign of a team that's clearly working well. They can win no matter what kind of game it is. And you got performance out of, guy, out of guys like Armenteros who step yeah. up and become impact players for You him. do need that as well. Then finally, the last game on Saturday, LAFC hosted D.C. United to a 1-1 draw. I don't think I or anyone gave D.C. much of a chance in this one to come out with anything, let alone a draw. Uh, Mochino just can't seem to catch a break, poor guy. He <laughs> comes in as a sub, and he uh, ends up being partially responsible for the equalizer because he's backpedaling on a cross that's coming in for Ariola. Ariola ends up winning the cross. It's a good header. You can't. It's a good header, but as a defender, when you're backpedaling for the ball, it, it almost never ends well. Yeah, he 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 could do better. He can't there. get that kind of position. But Ar- Ariola gets gets way up. He's just he he. You got to know you're not going to win it, and you got to put the forward off and not let him get a clean header on it, which is exactly what Ariola got. Yeah, and so the ball then you know, heads towards Darren Maddox, who winds up tying the game. Again, I'm not. Sh- I wouldn't hold it against him. It's not necessarily his fault that the ball's been played into that area. But his positioning clearly can be better. And more importantly, he's got to know. If you're backpedaling for the ball, it's already too late. You've already, you've already lost the ball most I mean, times. I, I think it would be unfair to put the whole game on well, him. Well, of course not. But he's definitely been in a tough spot here with the team. It, uh, was it uh, Jordan Harvey? Jordan Harvey's has, kind of taken over as the left back. a pretty impressive player there, especially when they're playing three in the back and his ability to get forward and just kind of putting crosses. Um, but, you know, Mochino... 18, 19, he's got yeah, time to develop. Time. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bob Bradley maybe gives lets him play a little bit more advanced, uh, playing in a back three, maybe as a wing back or a center mid or something, so that he can 
he can get a little bit more comfortable in his position without being, you know, conceding goals all the time. Speaking of young fullbacks, Tristan Blackman, he was LA's other draft pick this season. He got to start it right back, so it looks like their depth is officially starting to get tested with yeah. all their players kind of leaving for the World Cup and then injuries on top of that. So it's just something to watch there because that's a pretty – now we're starting to get into Philadelphia territory because, you know, Zimmerman, he'll be around. Simon, did he get called into the Belgian squad? Uh, I, I think he did. We'll get back to you on that. But the point is that's a pretty young – those are two pretty young fullbacks. Yeah. I Well, so the thing is we are look, starting to look at their depth. But I what the, the problem um, – that I'm seeing here is the the depth is really, they haven't really been that great recently, right? Yeah. So Simon does get the call up, um, but I just I even with the depth, like we're seeing guys like Blackman, we're seeing Atu West to come in and do. I I've been pretty impressed with him. Simon uh, is in the squad, by the way. Yeah, he is in the squad. Uh, Gabber, but like like without their top guys, without Vela when he is missing, how are they going to pick that up? Urania has been a huge loss for them. I mean, recently. Uh, I, I just I haven't been as impressed with them as when we, they first came in and they were kind of this big shiny thing. <laughs> now we're kind of like seeing them like gather a little bit of rust. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean the recent results: draw to DC, lost to Portland, draw to NYC, win to Minnesota, and then draw to Dallas. So they got one win in the last five games. Some uh, draws against quality teams too, though. Yeah, but but they're at home, right? They're, they're tying NYC at home. They're tying Dallas at home. I think a team that with the pedigree of LAFC that wants to be this, like, Atlanta-level team coming in. <laughs> wow. I mean, how, no, quickly, like, how quickly we named the bars, huh? But is, isn't that, like, the new bar now? Yeah, I guess it is. The next Atlanta to be fair, yeah. So, uh, definitely it's, like, the time for these guys to, to step up into the position. Finally, Sunday's primetime game, Sporting Kansas City and Columbus Crew played to a nil-nil draw. It was a meeting of two of the best coaches in MLS, and it ends nil-nil. So, I'm guessing Fox Sports wasn't too pleased with the way this one went. Well, this was like a pretty good game. All things. It wasn't a sloppy game. It was, okay, one sloppy play was that red <laughs> the card. The red card for Higuain. For, for Federico Higuain. I'm okay with that call as well. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the right call. It wasn't a bit recklessly. But Columbus gets their tactics right absolutely after that. They they sit in. Bunker in. They bunker in. They're, they're impossible to break down at that point. Uh, Abubakar has... Really been an impressive center back. He's starting to like lead that line with uh, Jonathan Benson not in. Um, Valenzuela at left back, Alpha at right back. It's a solid back line. Right. Uh, even missing their DP center back. So I, I, I'm just going to put out there, I think this is more of Greg Berhalter getting his tactics right defensively than Vermees getting it wrong offensively. Uh, that's fair. Well, we'll see sort of how that kind of stuff plays out. But, yeah. I, I guess that the thing is that when you mark, because the marketing for this one is, is obvious, right? Two of the best coaches in MLS. Yeah, so the best tactics. The reality is that sometimes when two tactical geniuses come together, the result is often a stalemate. And that's kind of what you got here. Yeah. So 27 shots, some big saves, a red card. I, I would, a penalty was saved, too. I mean, it wasn't exactly thrillless. I mean, at least Zardes put his on target. Oh, my Zardes goodness. Long, but good save. Melia, yeah. that almost went underneath him. He, Zardes has it, he hits it hard and low. Amelia somehow keeps that out. Really good, impressed by him. I mean, we're going to talk about it, but he, he he's American, right? Just get him in the squad. Well, that is a nice segue. The U.S. men's national team had a Monday game on Memorial Day against Bolivia, subjecting me on my holiday to being upset because this is a meaningless friendly leading to nothing. 
I guess we'll give some takeaways. I mean, not that there's much to take away, but you know, Tim Weah, he might be a star. It just, I know we talked about a little bit that he could be, but after seeing him in uniform now for the first time for the national team, he looked great. He has all the confidence in the world of a player beyond his years already. Really young, athletic, a little scare with the uh, yeah the injury like thing. He had a hamstring injury, which tough to come back from. But not only did he come back from it, he literally came back into the game, basically waved off the sub. And scored a goal. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that's a good sign. There's Josh Sargent, who literally turned 18 a couple months ago, scored a brace, and he looked dangerous the whole time as well. That goal was uh, <laughs> kind of just, I mean, this is this whole was, game was, was such uh, an international match. It was two teams that are just like, Players don't know how to play with each other. There's not really any tactics. It's just a bunch of individuals playing. Hey, what are you talking position. about? Saracens 4 5 1. It's the best formation in soccer right now <laughs> against Bolivia. Uh, a five man midfield against Bolivia. That Bolivian team wasn't even like, they looked like a high school team. That was rough. They were also putting out a lot of young guys out there, but there was no one really to be well, they, inspired the by. The commentary there. mentioned that a lot of them had already played like midweek in the Bolivian National League. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, I mean, we kind of talked about uh, Walker Zimmerman coming in, and, like, he's kind of like the oldest guy in there. He gets a goal. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Who I'm apparently crediting to Josh Sargent, based on what I've... (laughs) Sargent had the one goal where he stole the goalie with a bad giveaway. We'll count it as two. Sargent's such a hardworking player. It's like, he he deserved that goal. He could have gotten a brace. I mean, like, if if the team was a little bit more organized, they played it together a little bit more, you know... They, that was a bad Bolivia team. They, I mean, U.S., if they were on their game, could have put, like, five past them. Yeah, so I'll, I'll we'll end with this. I mean, the kids can play. I think that's fair to say. Even against the opposition being Bolivia, I think it's safe to say these guys can play. They, they, they just need time to play together. That's yeah. all. Oh, and Bono did get the start, like I was asking for. So Sarah can also on my network now. Why is everybody listening to you? Because I'm a tactical genius who belongs <laughs> on the sideline, not on this podcast, clearly. Oh, and uh, our photographer was there, Charlotte Thomas. So, uh, like, could, oh, it was in Philly. That's right. Or in Chester. It was, Chester, it was in me. Chester, not in Philly. So maybe we can get a link up to some uh, photos from the game. Uh, I want a picture. I want a picture when uh, Christian Pulisic finally got subbed off. I, like, like, I want the picture goodness. of him getting hit in the face. Oh, well, that might have been brutal. <laughs> Poor guy. That might be a little too much for this show. We have another friendly coming up on Saturday against Ireland, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'll mixed. Uh, it's the McConnell Derby. It's the McConnell Derby. TJ McConnell versus no. I don't know any, any, <laughs> any other McConnells <laughs> other than yourself. <laughs> yeah, that one. That yeah, get that guy out there. He's pretty good, I hear. Oh goodness me! So uh, there were some changes. Ten, I believe, in total. Zach Steffen and William Yarbrough, Shaq Moore, Tim Parker, and DeAndre Yedlin, Tyler Adams, Luca De La Torre, Kenny Seth, Kenny Seth. Saif. No, it's Seth. Is I, it really? Yeah, it's Seth. The, he like came out and basically said. I've been Seth. hearing it pronounced Saif for a while. Yeah, no, no, no. The the announcers always pronounced it as Saif, and then they did an interview with him like back in March. I remember this because they talked about it on the broadcast, and they said he prefers to go by Seth. Is this kind of like when uh, Polisic is like, oh, no, it's not Pulisic. It's Pulisic. It's Pulisic. Hey, that's fine. Hey, whatever, as long as he comes yeah. out and says it. Now it's pretty clear. Now we know. Will right. Trapp and Bobby Wood all join the squad. Seven players uh, end up departing. Bono, back to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alejandro Guido, I'm not sure why he's leaving, but he's leaving. Didn't get a chance to really see him. Lyndon Gooch back to Sunderland, who I, and he has committed to staying, it looks like, so I guess he'll be playing in League One next season. Oof. Ethan Horvath going back to Club Bruges, I'm guessing to fight for his place. 
uh, Matthew Olasunday heading back to Manchester United's academy. I was impressed by him, by the he way. Looked, he looked pretty good. He's young, athletic. I, he puts in tackles. He's in the United Academy for a reason. Yeah, I'm hoping to see more from him moving forward. Christian Pulisic heading off to his much-deserved holiday after playing way too much yesterday. I'm sure he'd Monday. rather not be on holiday. Well, I'm rather sure he'd be out in Russia on holiday. That's true. That's true. And finally, Walker Zimmerman back coming back to LAFC. So we're back. Uh, again, the, uh, also, they listened to me. They called in Stefan and Yarbrough. You said Stefan. I was saying. No, I said, no, 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 no. I said Yarbrough, too. I, we, I, okay. Because my, my original point was, I don't know that they could replace all three. And you started giving, like, oh, Ramondo and Melia. And I'm like, yeah, but those guys are kind of older. Like, Maybe they don't want those. old. Yarbrough, like, Yarbrough's still kind of young, even though I'm not sure that he's even, he's not even the first choice keeper at Lyon. So, all the time, I should say. So, I'm interested to see his name there, but at this point, to be fair, I also don't know who else they were going to bring. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, like, they, we talked about Jesse Gonzalez as an option. Right, but he's uh, just coming back from injury, so I doubt they want to bring yeah, him. Yeah, so he, but, but, like, going forward, Sean Johnson. No. He, no. Very, very good goalie. Uh, like, Tyler Miller. The point is, there's, like, I think he's... Tyler got, Miller, now that would be a call I, I think he's got a ways to go, but the point is, the goalie is always, like, not always, but it's generally one of the stronger positions the U.S. has. Has been for a long time. For a long time. I still think that it's probably the most deep position that they have. But I, I do uh, want My go... money would be on center back, actually. Center back? Yeah, John Brooks. I, I mean, there's a lot of unproven, to be fair, after Brooks, but, like, and he's always injured, so that's never good. But, like, Jeff Cameron's Jeff a proven Cameron. player, you know, for all the hate that Omar Gonzalez gets and he's, that I've given He is playing him. in Liga MX, which is... Yeah. A, He's still got to be good enough to do that. Miazga's playing well, and, you know, whatever you think of the Dutch Eredivisie, he's playing very well there. (laughs) I'll tell you what I think about that. Well, it's an offensive league. It is an offensive league. So he's playing well there. But, but I mean, like, I could keep going with goalkeepers, but, like, the the point is, historically, it is a case. Now we're getting a lot more younger guys in every position, really, and goalkeeper is a position, just like center back, to be honest, that's very experience-reliant. But I do want to go back and talk to the, about the guys coming in. You mentioned Yarbrough and Stefan being excited about them. But, like, Tim Parker absolutely has deserved it. Yeah. He went from Vancouver from being, like, a solid, above-average center back to being, like, a star of the league in New York. Absolutely has been phenomenal. Uh, Tyler Adams, same thing at New York. Uh, so, I mean, I... And, and like, Will Trapp, I'm going to talk about him for a second. I'm a huge fan of his, just how the way he plays at Columbus. I think there's a, something to be said about players getting away from Greg Perhalter and losing their mojo. But, like, <laughs> anyway, I'm ex- those are the guys I'm excited to see coming out because I think they could slot in right away and be immediate starters. One more, Luca De La Torre playing for Fulham. Yeah. They, That's a good one. I don't know if Trapp will come in and be a starter. I would think he'll have to start against France. They have a second friendly with the same roster, so I would think Trap has to start against France. You need some experience. You need some experience playing because I, I think you let the kid, let all the kids that are the youngest and don't have money as much experience, you let them play against Ireland, and then you, from there you got to play some of the more so like so I, I would expect Yevlin to play against France. France. I would expect some of the more experienced guys. Yeah, just I mean I think it just has to be that way. I don't know. I mean, you, you have Lehigh. He he's not he's no slouch at right back. Um, I, I think Parker plays in that game. I think Tyler Adams, Joe Corona was really good for me in the Bolivia game. I mean, he's one of the yeah. more experienced players. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. But uh, Weston McKinney was really impressed with that. He doesn't do anything game. for me, to be fair. Corona does. Corona? Yeah. I, I, he's a good little player. He's a guy. That, that was a, okay, to be fair, that was a game that, like, to be a fair. player of his caliber should be, like, one of the better players in the field. That's true. That's true. So, like I said, more 
friendlies coming up in the near future. Uh, MC, FC Cincinnati is officially official. They had their big reveal yesterday, and I believe the rumor is still around that they'll be going to Fusbol Cincinnati. Is that really going to happen? It better not be. Well, they're coming in 2019, I think, with Nashville. No, no, they're coming in next season. Yeah, next season, 2019. Uh, yeah, I guess that is next season. Next season. It is, what year is it? No, no, but Nashville's not coming in in 2019. They're 2020? Yeah. That's weird. The no. documents like leaked that it was 2019, and someone had to come out and say that's wrong. Wrong. So well, good for Cincinnati. We'll even up the league in terms of 12 and 12 on each side. Yeah, thankfully that's happening. Uh, although it won't last long. The sad thing is, they'll immediately probably get better attendance than <laughs> yeah, Philadelphia, teams, and Chicago, yeah. and Columbus, and well, I can keep going. Yeah, let's skip over to the. Other side of the pond real quick before we wrap things up. It was the Champions League final between Liverpool and Real Madrid. I think we have to talk about Loris Karius. What does do. his goalkeeper's union representative have to say for him? Do you have a prepared statement in his favor? Yeah, hold on. Let me just get uh, let me get my pages out. I wrote a six-page essay on this. No, I mean, I just hope he can come back from the game. It's it's kind of thing that's like, can crush a career. Like, yeah. he, he's got to be, like, he's got to be feeling terrible. Uh, you know Liverpool now is going to be going out looking for a new goalkeeper after this, right? I think they were anyway. They, but they yeah. were anyway, but this is like... This, is, this has to expedite the, the process, I would think. Their weakest position, I think it's fair to say, was goalie going into this game. You could maybe... Center back. Dejan Lovren in there. I was going to say center back. But he had a really good tackle late. Yeah, the they both the center back. I think the whole defense, honestly, I think they did their part. Lovren's like either like horrendous or like surprisingly really good. But Carius... Ah, oh, yes, the old Rex Grossman syndrome. Anyway, it's the thing is those things are kind of things that could have happened to any keeper really. Just kind of you you lose focus for like half a second. That's all uh, it takes. That, and that's all it takes. He he rolls the ball. He doesn't think Benzema's going to get his leg in. Maybe he's not paying attention to him. Maybe he doesn't think he's allowed to. Right, because he, he was offside. Technically, well, that's not what the point is because he does have the ball now. He has possession and he can uh, distribute. But technically, he's not allowed to make a move towards the ball while the goalkeeper has it in his hand, which is what happened when he was rolling it. But I digress. I don't think anyone's going to get on the referee's case for not calling that. Uh, it just looks bad. Carry it, it. It was like moments of Bale's shot was knuckling. There were things that could happen. You'd expect a professional would do that. I just hope he can like recover and still. It could crush his career. I was harsh on him afterwards. I was like, I, I, would I think never, everyone was. I would never want him in my squad again. And I mean, I feel bad, sort of, about it now. Like he's a human being, and again, he like, gets it. It gets it gets plenty of attention. He's gonna. He got the death threats. Like that's ridiculous. You need to stop with that. He doesn't need that. I mean, nobody like, needs that. When we're talking about like a player needing to step up and do better, it's usually not as obvious as this. Listen, Carius knows it. Everybody knows it. Right. I think it's kind of beating a dead horse at some point. Yeah, so, I mean, and make no mistake about it, Real Madrid outplayed Liverpool in this game. Whether we want to talk about Salah getting injured and, you know, you can you can curse and pray to all the angry satanic deities that you want to on Sergio Ramos now. Get my yellow pages out, figure out which new ones I can pray to. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, Liverpool played all right, but when Salah got injured, everybody kind of fell asleep. And then they kind of wake up with the goal with Mane, and then it just all went back. At that point, they just need to hold on. I mean, listen, Salah is there. He's, he's their he's like, rock. He's their rock. He, like when they had Suarez, without Suarez, they were nothing. Without Salah, this, I don't want to say they're nothing. It's not fair to say to the rest of the players. Could have used Coutinho, huh? They, they could have because Lalana was – he wasn't like a big factor for me. No, I don't think he was – like, It was unfair to expect him to be, but yeah. Coming off of injury and not really getting a lot of time. But we, we could talk about the, what – Ramos said, I'm, I'm going to get past it because I do think that it was a dirty play, but 
Wow. You don't think so? We don't have all the time in the world for that, but I don't think it... Here's the thing. I, I, he knows what he's doing. I will say that. He hooks his arm. He knows he's what he's doing. Down, he, right? knows what, he knows what he's doing. I don't... I don't... I Again, they're all... There's that professional level. No, they, he doesn't mean to... He's, he doesn't want to injure him. He doesn't want to injure him, but he does no. know what he's doing. He he's, knows... He knows. a pretty dirty player. He's, he's, his reputation is what hurts him more than anything. I, he knows what he's doing. I'm not ready to call. I'm not ready to say that he know that he he wants to break his arm in that moment. I just think that in the moment he knows if I grab this guy's arm and I bring him down, there's the chance he might not be able to continue. You think he's thinking that? I don't know if he. Th- I mean, I don't know if anybody can think that quickly, but yeah, sure. I think he's trying to pull him down and he's trying to bruise him. Yeah. He's trying to say, let like, him know yeah, you're there. Yeah, like I'm gonna pull you down and you're not gonna you're not gonna get up and be exactly the same. Maybe you'll be like, oh, that landing hurt, or, you know. Because that's the life of a defender. You're trying to say, right. yeah, you don't want to come at me forward. You want to avoid me if you can. Yeah, uh, well, but like I said, we, we, we could beat that down. We could, beat there for, we could be here for the rest of the day yeah. analyzing that. The reality is it happened. And, you know, both teams are going to see some changes coming into next season. So. I think the biggest thing is just hoping Salah gets back for the World Cup. Yeah, that, that right now would be everybody's biggest concern. All right, let's wrap this thing up for the first time ever. It's the American Soccer Show Cup. The Union hosts the fire tonight, 7.30 Eastern. Big game. This, this is huge. This is the biggest is game like in the history of this podcast. Apart in the in the, in the the table? We, maybe Eric we, versus Emmett? Yeah. Chicago versus Philadelphia? I look forward to a nil-nil draw. An oh, absolute no shocker. The, of a game. There's no way the fire can keep a shutout. Oh, is that so? Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, with Mo Adams' red card being rescinded, that means the officials should hopefully be back to neutral ground. If had Mo Adams been suspended, I was just ready to throw the whole game out because of how important that Mo Adams played. is. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, look, it's not the referees jobbing the Chicago Fire is no, it's nothing I can control. So, and I reserve the right to also say that after this game. <laughs> uh, I like to make excuses. It's kind of fun. So yeah, tune in for that one. Tune so in for that a, Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN two. It's a doubleheader between with the U.S. Men's National Team. The Portland Timbers host the LA Galaxy. Then at 8:30, you can catch on Univision and Twitter the Chicago Fire hosting the San Jose Earthquakes. Maybe well, I'll try prime to get time a, game. Maybe we should get out there. Yeah, let's go to a game as like just fans. Right? Oh, well, <laughs> That's, that's the one fun. game to, to do it. Huh? Yeah, ain't that the truth? Then on Sunday, 8:30 Eastern. Sporting Kansas City hosts Minnesota United on FS1 back-to-back hosting for Sporting Kansas City on national TV. That's interesting. And they get a pretty quick turnaround from the last time they played Minnesota. Was that last week? Yeah, there are some quick turnarounds in this league, it feels like. Every once in a while, it's like back-to-back. Speaking of a quick turnaround, we talked about Dallas versus LAFC. Another quick one. That was only a few weeks ago. I'm excited to see what LAFC does now because this will be, you know, I don't don't know this for sure, but I don't know how many repeat opponents they've had. Yeah, this could be uh, the Seattle was one. Seattle, yeah, Seattle. That's I think that might be and the only this would one. Be the second one. So I'm interested to see and a team they didn't beat the first time around either. So, yeah, so they'll have they'll have the chip on their shoulder this time. What about you? I'm gonna go with NYCFC versus Orlando. So the kind of last final tough game in Orlando's uh, you know tough schedule, tough part of the schedule. Uh, I have been impressed with them even they lose. They're right. always they were the better team against the fire. They're always sure. exciting. They're always creating chances. Uh, but I do have to go into the horrendous field that is Yankee <laughs> Stadium and Farrah had to play there, which meant most teams have not. So uh, that's what we're dealing with now. Uh, but that's all the time we have this week for the American Soccer Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us and check out past episodes on iTunes and Stitcher for all your American soccer needs. Until next time, I'm Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantor signing off.